Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Rhythm News. For this episode, we'll be discussing upcoming summer movie releases. I'm your host, Cameron Tate. I'm Grace Ingram. And I'm Kirsten Hawkins. Awesome. So this summer, a bunch of like really exciting movies are coming out that everyone is pretty much talking about, like Barbie movie or Oppenheimer or, you know, rom-coms are coming back. That's right. Yeah. And like raunchy movies. Like I'm really excited. Like, you know, actually pay the $12 (laughs) a ticket to watch movies in theaters versus streaming since that's kind of been what has been perpetuated since COVID, like just straight to streaming movies. And now they're like, that's over. They're trying to get people back in the theaters and they're coming off strong. And I think you can agree, Grace, especially with Barbie. Yes, I would love to talk about Barbie. Um, There will be a July 21st showdown between Barbie and Oppenheimer. Greta Gerwig versus Christopher Nolan. This will be her the third film she's directed. She's worked on and acted in and worked on several other movies written for, um, I believe, Frances Ha she starred in, but I think she also wrote in that one too. But this is Christopher Nolan's, I believe it's his 12th film. Yes. But they're both coming out July 21st. They couldn't be more different. I mean, Barbie is about the adventure of Barbie going outside Barbie land, and Oppenheimer is about some nuclear bomb, you know what I mean? completely different i know you can tell i bet you can tell which one i'm more inclined to see Ooh, do tell i don't know I, i'm a big greta gerwig fan ladybird and little women are both in my top four on letterboxd oh wow yeah oh wow yeah that's that's a ranking i know <laughs> the they're both posters in my room oh. um so i'm really passionate about barbie i'm so glad to see greta getting the this big budget behind her film i mean and these big stars like margot robbie and ryan gosling will ferrell's in it it's gonna be crazy okay trojan nation <laughs> i know fight on, look at us, fight on. <laughs> i you know christopher nolan i mean he just did dunkirk and that was crazy. Like his stuff is like insane. Like he has he Interstellar, like regarded to be like one of the best movies of all time. So like we're talking like big shot film director. We got Greta Gerwig, and she's coming for your spot, Christopher. So please look out because if I if my theory is this, Barbie's going to outsell. Oh yeah, it's going to blow Mr. Oppenheimer, Mr. Bombman out of the water and I'm so excited to see that because Barbie yeah. is just such a fresh take on film now and something that we really haven't seen in at least the past five years. It seems that a lot of movies have been regarded to be Oscar bait so they've been this really dark and indie and dingy almost films. Totally. The whale, hello. The whale, exactly like the whale. Like I didn't see the whale. I didn't see the whale. I only saw that like once clip screen grab of it all over twitter and oh, no one you mean. yeah and no one gave any context about that movie yet it just won best actor so it's like give us something camp give us something fun give us something for the girls for and the girls us, hello i'm so excited so so excited yeah uh, yeah um i do have a cute little segue i want to try out uh-oh, for uh-oh. to our next movie Greta Gerwig's partner, Noah Baumbach, they are partners in life as well as in work. (laughs) Um, He co-wrote the movie with her, and he is very good friends with Wes Anderson, whose Uh next movie Uh I'd like to talk about, Asteroid City, which comes out June 16th. There's a small desert town, and something disrupts their, like, space cadet program that they're doing. They're very space-oriented in this town. Tom Hanks is in it, Steve Carell... This is going to be a big one, too. His last movie, The French Dispatch, which I really liked, 
was totally like panned from any award shows. It won and was nominated for literally nothing, which for Wes Anderson, he usually is a critical darling. I really liked it, but I'm a Wes Anderson junkie. His color grading yes. and that stuff, that's what like draws me in as like a, just like a audience member. So I'll, I'll, I'm curious to see what plane um, Asteroid City goes down. When they first announced that they were going to do a live action aerial, I was in like, I, I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember distinctly my English teacher who was, who was a ginger. And she was like, I don't like that they're going to make her black because that's the only ginger representation that I have. Not the ginger representation. <laughs> Watch Glee. There's a ginger I've never on heard of ginger representation. I have never seen. Hello. Apparently, there is a desperate need for ginger representation in films. Not to take away from that. Hey, I'm not a part of the ginger community. To see those people persist even though there were all these beautiful videos of these little black girls getting to see the trailer yeah. and being like, oh my gosh, like she looks like me. That was amazing. Beautiful. It was really beautiful. And I, I personally, I wasn't too excited. I haven't even seen like the original, The Little Mermaid. Really? I, I, I'm horrible. I'm so bad. I have not seen the original. Honestly, I was watching Medea movies at that Medea age. Movies. Okay, I agree. I love those I movies. I was watching a lot of Medea movies. And none, none of that ever struck me until The Princess and the Frog came out. That's so good. So Understandable. It is, so Understandable. it is kind of like, once that, this is me being pro-representation right now. It's like once those things come out, it's like, yo, you're introducing these stories. Like I'm, I'm always for storytelling. And I appreciate that they are taking this old story and making it modern and spewing out good things for little girls to learn versus yeah. like, oh, you're what the Little Mermaid was kind of teaching little girls is that, oh, your only worth is you know, physical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's not great. But in this version, they're talking about consent and things like that. Like, oh, that's lovely and beautiful. Like, that's that's the change that we need to be making when it comes down to all of these, um, you know, live action films, because we're seeing a lot of them. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, contrary to popular belief, I feel like the remakes of original movies are, like, it really just shows like how far we have evolved as a you know a country and things like that, and just showcasing that through film. Yes, and I really mm -hmm. think it really just you know helps move the status quo. Absolutely, and and it's kind of a it's a really clever way of doing it by taking already familiar um, topics and things that we've already seen before and layering it with. Um, you know, p political, social change that's necessary. It's awesome. Yeah. I think Disney is trying to... I think it would be so much more special if they hadn't just completely, like, bombarded us with all these other remakes like they did Beauty and the Beast. And, I mean, I love Emma Watson, but I don't know. That didn't need to happen. But I think what's different about Little Mermaid is it's, they seem to be doing it right. Yes. Yeah, the one sure. thing I did I, that at least a lot of people on my side of Twitter were <laughs> complaining about is that the role, so Ursula, the character of Ursula, was inspired by the drag queen Divine, who was in many um, John Waters movies. Mm -hmm. And um, that's who Ursula was inspired by. And so a lot of complaints about this, the casting of Melissa McCarthy as Ursula was what well, should have been a drag queen. And I think at a time like this where all the drag bands, like 
and it, laws that are being put in place. Very impactful statement. Yes. Like, yes. That's missed opportunity. And there are so many talented drag queens out there who can sing and perform. I mean, they're incredible performers. So I think that was a big um, miss opportunity. But what other Disney movies are we going to see over the summer, Kirsten? Honestly, there are so many. They have the new Spider-Man movie coming out. Okay. There's Peter Pan and Wendy, Elemental, and then the volume three of Gardens in the Galaxy. Crazy. Honestly, I'm really excited for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Okay. I'm really excited. It comes out June 2nd this summer. Um, So yeah, it really just, it picks up where the first movie left off. And I'm really interested to see how that goes and how, you know, the director decides to go about that process. Okay. I don't know much about this, so you two can (laughs) chat about this one and all. The closest thing, the closest relationship that I have with the Guardians of the Galaxy series is the ride in Disneyland. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. But I'm like, I, I'm a self-proclaimed Marvel fan and I've never seen any of the movies. I know everyone loved the soundtrack because of the 80s influence mm. and I mm. could get with that. But it just never stuck out to me. Like, <laughs> Same, honestly. <laughs> like it just never, it was like, oh, okay. They're in space and they're humans this time. Ooh. <laughs> but honestly, I, I do need to give it a chance. And I and I know how Marvel is kind of connecting into phase five, that this will be a pretty, it, it would be a pivotal movie to watch in order to understand where the franchise is going from here. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested. And Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Like, I'm really interested to see because I think they just casted Issa Rae as like a black version of Spider-Man or something or a woman version. Mm. Which is very interesting. Like, there's so many different types of Spider-Mans in this new movie. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's just definitely an interesting take on it for sure. It is, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm excited or like. Yeah, I'm a bit indifferent. Yeah, I'm a bit indifferent because you know everyone's like, oh, Miles is my favorite Spider-Man. I'm like, not too much now on Tobey Maguire. Um, <laughs> and I do. I I love. I love this Spider-Man, but. Honestly, the first one, I was like, I could I could have done without it. It was cute. I liked it. I did. I loved the concept of it. But it's just one of those, to me, like, throwaway Marvel movies, I guess because it is animated. And so I guess that plays into my psyche hmm. <laughs> about my um, opinion towards it. But uh, I know everyone's really psyched up about this, and I know they cannot miss on this soundtrack. Honestly. I mean, that's, like, one of the only things I know about. Yeah. The first one is about the soundtrack. I didn't see the movie. I know John Mulaney was a pig. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's about the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> no, you, Sunflower was yes. the song of the summer. Totally. It was the song of the summer. So we, it, you know, it, it's, it's April. T- yeah, it's time for another song Looks of the summer. Looks at wrist yeah. to our <laughs> listeners. She doesn't have a watch. <laughs> and why would my wrist tell me what day it is? I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of animated movies... We have an original Pixar movie coming out, not a sequel, which they've been doing, Pixar's been doing a lot of. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been bought by Disney, so they're part of that IP machine where you just want to keep going and going off of what you already have that you know makes money. Sure. Hello, Toy Story 4. I hated it. It was so bad. So yeah, we have Elemental coming out. Kirsten, do you want to talk a little bit about what that's going to be? It's coming out June 16th. So the new Elemental movie is really just centered around the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water, and just how they interact with each other. Honestly, this movie really reminds me of that other movie with the different emotions. Oh, Inside Out? Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's going to go along the same lines as that, but Earth's, like, you know, 
the earth, air, fire, and water things. Nice. And I think, okay, it's directed by the guy who did the good dinosaur I see, Peter Son. The good dinosaur for me was not a notable Pixar movie. It was an original, which was cool, but I don't, the good dinosaur didn't get much love. Um, I don't even remember what happens really. I think it was just fine. So (laughs) I'm a little tentative with this director. I'm a big Pixar fan. I love a good Pixar movie and original. Like, absolutely. um, I'll put on Up or Toy Story 3 if I need a good cry. (laughs) They still get me. But yeah, I definitely, you know, given that, you know, the last Pixar movie that was really like a high for me was Inside Out. Hmm. So I'm definitely, I'm getting some sort of Inside Out vibes from this movie. Honestly, I'm so excited. I, Pixar, like you mentioned, they've been on that high of just like spewing out just sequels or nothing that's too different. I think this will be different and kind of a nice, like, what's the word? A defining point for like where Pixar is going. Like, yes. are they going to get back into like getting, like creating content like Up or Toy Story or those classic movies? Like it's it's time for another classic. Yeah. And only time will tell what will become a classic. But some of those things you just kind of know in the moment. Absolutely. I'd like to recant my statement about Inside Out being the last high that I felt. You that was incorrect. Coco. There was Coco. There was Soul. There was Zootopia. Zootopia is not Pixar. Oh, who did Zootopia? Oh, that's Disney. Disney. <laughs> stupid parent company. <laughs> <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. But yeah, Coco, Soul, they ate with that. So I'm gonna need them to eat again. There is a resurrection of those raunchy, dark comedies. Starting off with no hard feelings. Mm. Ooh, 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 I'm so excited. This has Jennifer Lawrence. And pretty much she's she is an Uber driver who is facing bankruptcy after her car is repossessed. And so she accepts an unusual Craigslist posting. And her new employers are parents who have noticed that they're socially clueless. This is what they said. Socially clueless, but academically gifted teenage son is not interested in human interactions, dating women, or having sex. In exchange for a a Buick Regal, she (laughs) agrees to become their son's girlfriend to quote unquote date his brains out and help him to join adult life. And side note. I said this movie's called No Hard Feelings. That is meant to be a double entendre. Oh, yeah. Take that as you will, people. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> his parents bought him a girlfriend? Yeah. Yes. And it's Andrew Barth Feldman, who is a Broadway darling. So this is a big departure for him. Yes. It's kind of like when when Zendaya left Disney for you. Well, she didn't leave it for Euphoria. But, but there was transition transition yeah. to Euphoria. So I believe... Um, these Disney child actors are trying to make a push to, like, you know, redefine their adultness by doing movies or <laughs> For sure. topics such as this. Honestly, I'm so excited. Back again to what I was talking about with Barbie. It's like, oh, we've been under this air of Oscar bait. We have been losing out on just plain old films, just plain old films that you could go see in a $1.50 movie and not feel bad about seeing and still have a good laugh at it. Like, I saw Cocaine Bear. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> I loved Cocaine Bear. <laughs> really? I One of my film classes, we did a segment on Cocaine Bear with somebody who worked on it. Like, I still have yet to watch it, but like, how is it? It was so bad. It was <laughs> so bad that it was so good. And I think No Hard Feelings will be, but I don't think No Hard Feelings would be bad that it's good. I think it would just be 
good yeah. <laughs> because they like really will stick to what they have projected it's for the story. It's giving bridesmaids. It's giving bridesmaids. I love bridesmaids. That's right? that right there. That good old physical mm-hmm. social comedy and and it's something that's so Ooh. preposterous like you said how oh my god they bought their son a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible and crazy. Let's watch a movie on it. Let's do it. <laughs> Cuz yeah. n- none of us would ever do that, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, we would never do that. So to see people do something just so wild and out there is hilarious in itself. And Jennifer Lawrence. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's really going to commit to this. And uh, listen, I'm there. I'm there. But also, speaking of movies that are being resurrected or just coming back in general, the good old rom-coms. Tell me more. I'm telling. Let me tell you, man. (laughs) I love rom-coms. Like, I have a whole list on Letterboxd of just rom-coms or rom-joms or things like of that nature because I just love consuming them so much. But we've been in a drought. We've been been in a drought. So to see that love again. So um, love again. It follows Mira Ray, who is struggling to cope with the death of her fiancé. And she unintentionally but intentionally sends a sequence of romantic messages to his old cell phone number, which has been reassigned to Rob Burns' new work phone. As a journalist, Rob is drawn to the candidness in Mira's beautifully written texts. So when he is tasked with writing a feature about the famous singer Celine Dion, he, he seeks her assistance in finding a way to meet Mira in real life and ultimately win her affection. Is Celine Dion in the movie? Yes, she she's in the movie <gasps> and she's playing herself, but a fictional version of herself. That in itself is hilarious. Love that. But I'm struggling with the, the plot of this movie. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It is not getting my attention. So you're telling me this girl, she loses her fiance, and of course she does what every you know grieving woman does: texts the number, and somebody res- sees the messages and loves it. I think it's weird. <laughs> I think it's it's a bit, it kind of reminds me of a Black Mirror episode. Mm. Um, and I feel like if they like took the concept of this and made it dark, I would love it. Right. But the fact that it's within a sphere of a rom-com, I'm like, ooh, this, this, isn't, this doesn't feel new to me. Because mm. like, for an example, Jennifer Lopez is the rom-com queen. If there is one thing that that woman can do, it's a rom com. It's a rom com. Like there, are, she has the holy trinity is like made in Manhattan, um, the wedding planner, and oh snap, and the back. Well, not the backup plan. Um, Monster in law. And so when I'm a fan of those movies of that nature, and we get something like this, I'm like ah. It seems like very like low bar. It's a very low bar. I hate it when they try to like when film writers or things they try to take take technology, and just kind of like haphazardly um, um, interject it into a universe. Yeah. It's like, obviously, this is a very human thing that could, very well could happen to someone, but it just seems so off the wall <laughs> <laughs> to me that I, I don't know how I would enjoy it. I don't know. You love rom-coms, Grace. I do love rom-coms. I'm a big... Um, you have Jennifer Lopez. I have Meg Ryan. Um, Real. She is my my queen. I love You've Got Mail. I love Sleepless in Seattle. I love when hair. When Harry's got Sally. <laughs> when Harry's got Sally. <laughs> um, when Harry met Sally. So I'm really excited for the resurrection of the rom-com, and especially the raunchy rom-com with 
um, things like no hard feelings. So I think it's going to be, I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, hopefully it'll set a new precedent for, for some movies going forward. Yeah. And in this other rom-com, well, rom-drom, rom-com, it's called The Perfect Find. And it has Gabrielle Union. Love. Love Gabrielle Union. Absolutely. I've been rocking with Gabrielle Union since she was one of the Clovers and Bring It On. So it's like, <laughs> yo, love this girl. But she's, she's, this movie is a little weird too. Anyways, it's, it follows 40-year-old Jenna Jones, who makes a career change into the world of beauty journalism. She runs into problems when she realizes that her frenemy, Darcy, is her boss. And she soon starts a relationship with Darcy's son, Eric, the company's videographer. Off the bat, I'm like, okay, so we got a little age gap thing going it's on. It's so cougar. It's giving cougar, okay, cougar Nothing representation. Wrong with the cougar. As long as everyone is of age, yes. as they are, I say go for it. Like we love Tanya in Mamma Mia, Christine Baranski. Hello. Absolutely. Does your mother know that you're out? That is a <laughs> banger. I was listening to it on the way over. Yes, absolutely. So this, I'm like, okay, I already love Gabrielle Union, and you, I, I'm already a 50-year-old woman in my head, so mm-hmm. I feel like this. <laughs> I get it. I spent an hour and a half doing the crossword over the weekend. Ooh. Just that. Just that? For an hour and a half. Sorry, we can get back to the movies, <laughs> but that is what I did. Sorry, that gagged me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a little blink moment. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, um, so just that in itself, that story, okay. I'm intrigued. And on top of that, Keith Powers, who is fine? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm watching it. Honestly, yeah. when I heard that, you know, Gabrielle Union and Keith Powers were starring in this, like, rom-com, I was taken back by it, honestly. Because I would have mm. never thought they would put those two people together. But I feel like it's just, like, it could be such a perfect pairing if it's done properly, you know? Yeah. And I'll be real. I don't have high hopes for this movie at all. <laughs> like, it's probably going to be a four and a half tops. Mm-hmm. But just because I love rom-coms, I'm going to be in that theater watching mm-hmm. it. And Got to support the genre. I do. Sure. It's like so they can make more and, you know, get better. Yeah. Exactly that. But what, honestly, the movie that I am actually very excited about is, of course, Joyride, starring Stephanie Hsu. Oh, it's going to be so it's good. It's going to be incredible. What is that one about? Yes, so it follows childhood best friends Audrey and Lolo, accompanied by Audrey's former roommate, Kat, and Lolo's cousin, Deadeye. They set out on a journey across China to find Audrey's birth mother. So that in itself, it's a buddy movie, Mm -hmm. which I'm a fan of, and I'm already a fan of Stephanie Hsu. And if you watch Emily in Paris or Ashley if you love Emily Ashley Park and um, if you don't watch Emily in Paris, she was also in Mean Girls on Broadway. Voice is incredible. Like, so she's a very established actor. I love her. If anything, this is the summer for the girls. I think this movie and Barbie will be the two blockbusters because Stephanie Hsu is already coming off the everything everywhere all at once high. So that already garners attention. It garnered my attention. And with that, you're you're getting a much wider audience to come and support this really special film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It for comes sure. out comes out July seventh. I just checked, so July will be a good month for movies. This whole summer, really. Kirsten and Cameron, <laughs> I have one question for you. Okay. What is your most anticipated movie of the summer? Ooh. Cameron, go first. Ooh. 
wow. I'm going to start tearing up right now because I'm <laughs> just so overwhelmed. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, it's going to have to be Barbie. Me too. It's going to have to be Barbie. Like one of my favorite movies is But I'm a Cheerleader. And it already has that like air of campy, girly, in your face comedy. And I think Barbie is just so tongue in cheek where everyone is like, what is that movie even about anyways? I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care. If, it, if it's just Margot Robbie prancing around on screen and it's just Ryan Gosling just saying, hi, Barbie. I'm I in love it. it. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> I, I think they really have pinned the comedy down. And I can't wait to see that on the big screen. Honestly, the one I'm so excited to see is The Little Mermaid. Okay. I definitely have really high hopes for it. I think it would be beautiful. Especially to watch. like in terms of the sound like the soundtrack because you know Halle Bailey is starring in it. Yes, yeah, so I already have high hopes for the sound like the soundtrack and for the acting cuz she's not only a singer, she's also an actress. And I'm excited to see you know like a black Ariel. It's going to be good. That one's going to be good too. Yeah, I have high hopes for, for sure. that as well. Mine is Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is Barbie too. I I'm, Yeah. I'm if, I don't know. Yeah, if there are no Barbie fans in this world, I'm dead. I know. If We're there's dead. One, if there's two, it's you and me. It's, it's you and me. <laughs> it's you and me, Grace. So yeah, this is our final episode of Rhythm and News for the semester. We'll be back in August with new episodes, so hopefully you'll come back and tune in with us. Hosted and written by Grace Ingram, Cameron Tate, and Kirsten Hawkins. Edited by Abby Park and Ryan Skidmore. Produced by Grace Ingram. And Rhythm and News is one of three shows on the Daily Trojan Podcast Network. You can find more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, dailytrojan.com. <laughs> <laughs>